Hey, I am excited to be here, usually am, and uh, as a pastor, a lot of people come and say, what should I do? How many of you have ever been asked by someone, what should I do? And they come with the, the, the strangest situations, the most difficult situations, and say, what should I do? And you know, it's, it's, it's actually kind of, how, how can I say, it's a little bit flattering when someone comes and assumes you might know what to do in, that, in a given situation. But how many of you have ever heard something and you're just like, whoa, whoa. You know, so many times, the answer to the question, and, and as a pastor, they're coming to me thinking, okay, well, I'm hoping that he's got a scripture and verse for that. And you know, sometimes I do. But there are things that just don't have a scripture and verse. It's like, do I buy the red car or the blue car? Do I go to Michigan or Michigan State? Do I marry the blonde or the brunette? And there's no verse that says Michigan State or U of M or any of those things. We have to apply wisdom. So today, that's what I want to talk about. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 says, Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. So I figure it ought to be worth a sermon. Getting wisdom is the most important thing that you can do. And with your wisdom, develop common sense and good judgment. The Living Bible translation. So today, I want to take and paint a picture of what wisdom looks like. What a wise man. I call this a picture of a wise man. So if we desire to have wisdom, this is, this is what it's going to look like. And I have a favorite illustration about the difference between intelligence and wisdom. And if you've been coming for long, you've heard this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. So, the story is this, and it's a made-up little parable. If one of my kids, say at age seven, understands that the cars come up and down our street, and that child is smart enough that they can go out and play, and whenever a car is coming, they get out of the way. That's smart. But if they happen to have a three-year-old brother... And that seven-year-old realizes, I can get out of the way in time. But if I play in the street, my three-year-old brother will copy me. He won't likely leave when the car gets in the way. So I will avoid playing in the street because of the consequences my actions would have on others. I would say, that seven-year-old is uncommonly wise. There's a difference between being just intelligent and being wise. And the Bible says a lot to us about the wise man. So I'm going to start in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. It says this, when words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. Is wise. I'm trying to think of the name of, of this show, but there was a uh, a television show that went on for a few seasons and 
the, the, I think that the main character's name was Lorelai or something like that, but they just talked at a mile a minute in this show. How many of you know which one I'm talking about? You know, what's it called? Gilmore Girls. I have never witnessed people talk so much, so fast, as if you try and watch this program. And it is witty, and the people must have spent, you know, weeks coming up with each paragraph that these people say, because it's like, there's nobody comes up with that much wit in one little content, and they're just going on and on and on, and they're just talking like, like this, and when I think of many words, I just think of that program, and how they just talked and talked and talked, and it was constantly, have you ever noticed that you could never talk like they do in a sitcom? They're always insulting each other because it's funny, and then they act like they don't care. And, and we're chuckling, but you realize, you know, if my best friend said that to me, it would hurt. See, the scripture says, where words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Proverbs 17, 28 says, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he <coughs> holds his tongue. We know that a wise person is not spouting their wisdom. And see, that is contrary to what a lot of us think. We think, if I just get near someone wise, they're going to spill over their wisdom on me. The Bible says, a prudent man keeps his knowledge to himself, in Proverbs 12, 23. But the heart of the fool blurts out folly. There's another scripture that says, knowledge, or the, the righteous man is like a well, and the man of discernment draws it out of him. It doesn't say a righteous man is like a fountain. It says he's like a well. And I'll never forget this. So when I was growing up, one thing that I loved to do was to go along with my father as he would go and visit churches. And I cannot tell you how many churches I have been to. Little churches, medium churches, big churches. He used to pull his fishing boat all over the state of Michigan and invite pastors to come and we parked, you know, we'd pull in and put that boat out on all these different lakes and I never loved fishing per se, but I loved being there and listening as all these, he'd have all these conversations with pastors and they would be talking about, you know, whatever their church was facing and he'd, they'd be asking questions and he'd be answering and I'd be sitting there with my pole just listening. And I'll never forget, we went to this tiny little church, if I remember right, it was somewhere um, near the border of Canada. And we, we visited the church and we went in there and we stayed for the entire service. They had their praise and worship and then they invited him to get up and he spoke and, and everything. And the pastor invited him to out to eat afterwards and they went out to eat and we sat down and the pastor <clears throat> talked to him about hunting and talked to him about, you know, different fishing and never once did they say anything about his church, about his praise and worship, about service time, service length, nothing. And I'm just, I'm just sitting there, fly in the wall, listening. And, you know, we got back in the car, and we had driven six hours to get to this place. And we had a good time. We get in the car. As soon as we get in the car, my dad says, 
So what could this guy do to help grow his church? And I say, say, well, what do you mean? He says, well, what are some things you would observe, you think he could do, things he could change, adjustments they could make that would help grow that church? So I started trying to think of things, you know, and well, this, this was a little bit awkward the way they did this and, and this. And he says, yep, those are good, those are good. And this, this, this. And he lists off like a half a dozen things. And I remember, and I, I told him, I said, well, if you had so many observations, why didn't you tell him? He said, well, he didn't ask. We had just driven six hours up there been there, gone out to eat, talked about fishing and deer hunting, and then drove back. And that pastor did not benefit from any of the wisdom that was there because he didn't ask. And I said, well, why, why would you wait? And he says, unsolicited advice is seldom taken. He said, you know someone is ready to hear advice if they ask for it. See, wisdom isn't like a fountain, the Bible says. Wisdom is like a well. When you see someone who is wise, then it is your job as someone who is growing in wisdom to seek that wisdom out because it won't overflow. So for that reason, if we are going to be seeking that wisdom out, then it behooves us to recognize what a wise person looks like. Proverbs 10, verse 23 says, A fool finds pleasure in evil conduct, but a man of understanding delights in wisdom. A fool finds pleasure (laughs) in evil conduct, but a man of understanding delights in wisdom. When I think of that, obviously we understand someone who finds delight in evil conduct is, you know, your classic bad guy. But what other way does that portray itself? The first thing that comes to my mind is media, television, movies. Now, I'm going to throw out some, some thoughts here. This is me talking. The Bible has stories of evil conduct. I read my Bible. There are stories there. People committing adultery, people committing murder, thievery. There is plenty of evil conduct in the Bible. So what differentiates the Scripture from, say, a horror film that would be unwise choice for entertainment. And I personally believe a big difference is what is celebrated. You see, when the Bible gives me examples of David and Bathsheba, besides not actually showing me (laughs) what's going on, it also doesn't glorify it says this is what happened you know if if i read what would be finding nemo has a bad torturing girl who mistreats the animals 
but she isn't glorified. If my kids were watching a television program or a YouTube channel that was glorifying the torturing of animals, you know what I would say? No more. Hand it over. You've lost some privileges. You don't do that. That's, that's demonstrating a lack of wisdom. How we, we watch. There are shows that are, how can I put that? Their only virtue is their lack of virtue. That's what sets them apart. People watch them just to enjoy the debauchery of, you know, the language, the jokes, the, the things like that. And when we see them celebrate, I, I can't remember what movie it was, and if I could, I would not recommend it. Because I remember watching a, a show one time, and I thought it was going to be like a romantic comedy type thing. And it turned out to be a program about two married people who, according to the writers of this film, shouldn't have been married to each other, but, you know, the other person, that their true soulmate was someone else. And so it was just glorifying divorce and remarried and, and, and the, the disposableness of marriage. And as, as I was going along seeing more and more, I was like, oh, this is, it just grieved me to realize what the whole point of the message it wasn't that the content of what was said was so bad. It was the intent of the message that was in that movie. And I was just like, man, I cannot enjoy this as entertainment. And as we look for wisdom around us, when we see people who revel in evil conduct, who find that to be their source, Realize that is a lack of wisdom. I'm going to throw something out there if you've got a pad and paper. This is one of my favorite websites when it comes to movies. It's kidsinmind.com. Kidsinmind.com. When I'm curious about a movie, I go there. And the reason I like it is because there are quite a few different sites that will explain about a movie and tell you, you know, read, is it clean, is it not clean. But this one has a three-number system, so it takes me half of a second to know whether I need to throw a movie out or whether I should investigate longer. And they just give a three numbers. One is for the sexuality, um, crass joking and nudity type things. The other one is for the violence and gore. And then the other, last one is for the language. And so a movie might be a two, a seven, and another a two, which means it has little to no nudity or sexual references. It has a lot of action and violence. It has very little language. I just see those numbers. I might be able to read. I can, I can open, click in, and I can see a whole bunch of information about, you know, well, this is the, you know, this is how many, what, what bad words they use. This is how many times the, you know, these words are used. And I can look in and find detail. It'll tell me, well, the sexuality is uh, someone shows cleavage or someone takes their shirt completely off, it'll just describe it all. But I don't even have to go in and look at that. I can just look at the number. If, I, if the number in the nudity is an eight, well, I'm not going there. In fact, if it's over a five, I'm probably not going there. I'm just, I don't have to worry about it. So anyway, free advice for that. Next, 
Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. The way of the fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. How many of you ever noticed the smarter someone is, the less smart they act? They're always asking. The smart people want other people's opinion. The truly wise are willing to listen to others. Next, Proverbs 12, 26 says, A righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Another verse, Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. When, when I went to college, I, I'll, I'll never forget, I was, I was actually at Bible school on one side of Tulsa, you know, Broken Arrow, and Oral Roberts University, where I eventually went and got my bachelor's degree, was on the other side. And I had met a couple of people who attended there. I wasn't a student there yet. And I remember I went to a Spanish church. And at that Spanish service, I met two ORU students who were studying there. They were, they were excited about missions. They had gone on mission trips. And these two girls who were roommates were really into missionary work and missions. And they were attending that Spanish church, trying to learn Spanish. And so we began to, to make friends and one day they invited me to come visit their dorm. Now, ORU had strict policies. Men were never allowed in the, well, not never, but men weren't allowed in the women's dorms. Women weren't allowed in the men's dorms, except for two hours in the afternoon on, like, whatever, once a quarter, they had an open house where for two hours in the middle of the afternoon, it was like, oh, you can come see where we live, and people, they'd make snacks and do all that. And they said, hey, why don't you come over and, and see where we live. And I said, okay, well, I'll come there in the middle of the afternoon at that one time when it's all, you know, kosher and allowed. And so I went in there, and I didn't know anybody. But I, was, I went to their dorm and sat there while all of their friends filed through. And I'll never forget what it was like. Because person after person comes in and says, hey, my name's Dan Parker, and I just got back from, from a missions trip to India, and oh man, it was so exciting, and I'm here studying pre-med because my plan is that I'm going to outfit a medical plane with pontoons on it, and I'm going to land back on these lakes where nobody else can get, and I'm going to give people medical detention, and that's going to be my inroad to preach the gospel, and I'm going to do that, and anyway, it's a pleasure to meet you. And off he goes, and in comes the next guy. Oh, my name is, and I don't remember what his name was, but I remember that he was from Senegal, and he says, oh, I am here to to learn to be a pastor and I'm going to go back and I'm going to win my island for the Lord and, and he comes back and then this other guy comes in and he says hey did I get to show you the pictures from my trip to China we were smuggling Bibles and we're over and over and I'm just sitting there as their friends just come filing through and all of them were on fire missions God loving Bible thumping guys I mean it was it was awesome I met Every single person I met was just an awesome, high-quality person. And then I leave the campus, and I tell someone I was at ORU, and they're like, oh, yeah, students there, they all do drugs. They're bad. And I thought, you know, I think we met a different group of people. Because a companion of wise will become wise, but a companion of fools becomes a fool. 
and people attract. When I talk to parents and, and kids who are about to go off to college, I tell them the most important choice you will make is who you choose for your friends. Because who you choose for your first couple of friends tells you who else you're going to be introduced to. You couldn't. I'm telling you what. You could not be friends with those two girls and not just be rubbed off on by the passion that all of their missions-loving, God-worshipping friends were. But I later learned there were other social circles to be found. There were some of the athletes who were scholarshiped and didn't care and kids who were sent there by their parents hoping that that would fix them to a Christian school and they found each other and they just did dumb stuff together. It is so important wisdom and how we choose our friendships. Proverbs 12 16 says, a fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. A hot temper is a sign of foolishness. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm looking at social media, I'm just shaking my head. Just like, oh my goodness. Because I see somebody who gets on there and they just rant about how angry they are about this or that. And I just think to myself, don't you realize that makes you look stupid? Don't you realize that you are ag advertising your own ignorance when you start talking about how The Bible says a wise person is even-tempered. But a fool lets their anger loose. When we see someone who is calm and collected in the face of difficulty, that is a badge of wisdom. I remember one of, one of the, the greatest compliments that my roommates in college ever paid me. I had two, two different roommates that I had lived. One, his name was Joe, and I lived with him for a year or maybe two, I think I lived with him for two years, and then another fellow named Marcus, and I lived with him for one year, and they were good friends with each other. And they told me about a conversation they had one time. They said, we both, after having lived with me for two years and one year, they said, we started talking about what would make Josh mad. And I was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm curious to find out. What did you come up with? They said, we couldn't think of anything. Now, ask my kids. They know what can make me mad. I, I don't know. I've lost a little bit of wisdom since college. I'm not sure. But I was so flattered to realize that I didn't come across to them as short-tempered, easily angered. You know, and we don't realize. Here's the thing. I call it invisible progress. I had no idea that I had made that kind of impression at all because... You just don't notice those things. Proverbs 13.5 says, The righteous hate what is false, but the wicked bring shame and disgrace. Proverbs 13.6 says, Righteousness guards the man of integrity, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. 
Another quality of the wise is honesty. And I was trying to think of an example, a story to tell for honesty. And honestly, this is my favorite one of the day. So when I was about 19, uh, how many of you know who Johnny Varekin is? So he's a missionary from this church. They were going into Cuba on a regular basis at that time. And I was spending every summer in Mexico. And Johnny says, hey, while you're here, why don't you join me to Cuba? I'm like, great, never been there. So I get there with him, and he says, so on this trip, we're going to be smuggling in some stuff. I'm like, okay. He hands me a sea bag. Do you know what a sea bag is? It's one of those military bags that's almost as big as I am. He hands me a sea bag full of women's shoes, clothes, booklets. Um, there was a carburetor for a VW van. Um, I had a whole bunch of CDs on which were Bible school classes. We had a bunch of Bibles. Um, there were some men's clothes in there. All kinds of stuff wouldn't have fit me. And he gives me this whole bag. He's like, well, bring that with your luggage. And then he says, so we're bringing this stuff in and the clothes we're going to be giving to people in the church. The carburetor is for one of the pastor whose vehicle has broken down. And if you've ever seen pictures and, and read up on Cuba, they had you know, a booming economy until the communist regime took over like in the 50s. So they had all these cars from the 50s that were there and then no more economic progress. So all of those cars are still there. And they're the only ones that, the, the majority, there's some Russian vehicles that have been brought in over the time, but that's what they just keep, keep them up. And you get into a 57 Chevy and you're like, oh wow, this is an old car. You start talking to the owner and he's like, well, the motor went out, you know, two decades ago. We put a tractor motor in it now. And, you know, they're still going with it. But it's hard to get parts. So this pastor had a part that he needed for his vehicle, so they're, they're sending that with me. And then he says, well, we're going to go there. We're going to bring these CDs, and we're going to copy them, but we have to buy equipment to copy them on the black market there. And then we're going to print manuals, but we're going to have to buy that equipment there in order to print up these manuals. And then we're going to be going all throughout the island, we're going to be planting these underground Bible schools. So to do that, we need $50,000 in cash. Here's twenty-five grand. stick it on your person. So I'm like 18, 19, my first you know, soiree into a communist country, and I've got $2,000 in each sock and every pocket and a few places I won't mention, and I've just got money just all over the place, and I've got this carburetor, and I've got this stuff, and I, I just, I'm smuggling, every bag is full of smuggled stuff. And he's like, okay, let's go. And off we go, and when we get to Cuba, they run our equipment through an x-ray machine, and I'm pretty sure it was the carburetor that caught their attention. Because they flagged my bag. It was the last one to come out. They pulled me off to the side. And Johnny took off. He's like, you know, if you're going down, I'm not going down with you. I've got the other half of the money. We're going to get this through. He just, shoo, he's gone. And the guy comes up and he starts talking to me. And I just remember thinking about the scripture that says, the truth will set you free. Now, I didn't tell him all the truth. But I just kept telling the truth. 
So he comes to me, he says, so what, you know, what is this? And he starts digging through my bag. There are high-heeled sandals <laughs> in this bag. There is all kinds, he's just pulling out this stuff. And you know, what's this for? I'm like, well, that's just to give away. How much are you going to sell for? So he's thinking that this, these are commercial goods. And he's trying to figure, establish a dollar amount so that he can figure out how much taxes to, to charge me. And he's, he says, so how much, you know, how much is this for? Well, I'm, not just, I'm just going to give it away. What's this? And he pulls out that big old carburetor, which is what he was looking for in the x-ray. I said, well, that's the carburetor to a, a minivan. And he says, how much did it, you know, how much are you selling it for? So I'm not selling it. You're not selling it? No. What are you going to do with it? I'm going to give it to somebody. He said, well, how much did it cost you? I said, it didn't cost me anything either. He says, well, how do you get it? Someone gave it to me. And I don't remember how long we stood there, but he just kept asking me questions. I hadn't purchased a thing in there, and I wasn't planning to sell a thing in there. And so the whole time, we're just going in circles. He's trying to figure out how much I spent and how much I'm going to make. And I'm just telling him, oh, it's all free. I got it for free. I'm giving it away for free. What's this? Well, those high heel sandals? Yep, those are free. I didn't buy them. I'm going to give them away. The carburetor, I didn't buy it. I'm going to give it away. He never noticed any of the money, never got to, to the Bibles. He just was digging through all this other stuff. And finally, he just says, okay, just leave. He got frustrated because he couldn't put a dollar amount on it and didn't know how to add taxes to I don't know, it's free. And he sent me out there. And I remember I got out there and, and Johnny, who'd been waiting, you know, in the wings out there for me to finally get released, he says, oh, so did you have to bribe him? I was like, bribe him? With what? He goes, well, with some of the money that you had. I said, well, you didn't give me permission to spend any of it. So no, I just talked my way through it, just telling him the truth over and over and over and over. Because the truth will set you free. It is so true. And wisdom loves truth. I'm going to close with Proverbs 14.2, it says, He who walks, whose walk is upright fears the Lord, but he whose ways are devious despise him. 14.16 says, A wise man fears the Lord and shuns evil, but a foolish is hot-headed and reckless. When I think of the term fears the Lord, the first thing we think of is, well, are, are we afraid? But that does not describe fear of the Lord. Because it's not, I'm afraid of him. Fear of the Lord is more like respect. Respect for the power. <laughs> I'm going to tell... I hadn't planned on this one, but I think it fits, so I'm going to tell another story. When I was in, living in Oklahoma, I brought only one gun, just a 22. And I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with guns, but a 22 is the smallest, tiniest, itsiest bitsy. It's one step up from a BB gun, but it's an actual gun. It is the smallest, quietest, simplest target shooting, squirrel hunting gun there is. It's not a big deal. And there was a girl in Bible school who was, we were talking and she had never shot a gun before. And I said, hey, 
you know, I know of a place, there's a shooting range, we can go out there, I'll show you, I'll let you do this, you can, you can try this out. I didn't realize it was the week before deer season in Backwoods, Oklahoma. And so I had been to this shooting range before, and every time I was there, it was, I was the only one. But we showed up, and when, if you, you want a picture of what this girl was like, she looked like Barbie, acted like Barbie, like came from a city town, didn't, like just, so out of place completely. And we get there, and there are a bunch of rusted out pickup trucks, plaid with skull marks, tobacco chewing good old boys everywhere and some of them have brought their kids and we're there at the shooting range and one guy has got a a, like this is not a deer rifle he showed up with this thing it had its own tripod to hold the front end up it was like a 50 caliber rifle he's out there kaboom I mean this rattle the windows in your car and these guys they're all shutting up you can feel it I was so concerned that she was going to freak out and I'm over there trying to show her you know this is how you do it you put the safety on you always point down there you know this is you never point it at somebody you always put the safety on take the safety off this is how it works this is how you put it in and this and that everybody there is following the rules you can see these guys between tobacco chews explaining to their kid, all right, so son, what do you do? The first thing you do is put the safety on. And when you're done, all right, now you pull that down and you point to shooting. Oh, good shot. All right, now what's the first thing you do? Put the safety on. Okay, so he's putting it down. And then when it was time to change the targets, every single one of these men, everyone, puts their guns on the ground. Nobody crosses the line until every single weapon is on the ground. And then we all walk forward, we reset up our targets, pull down targets, put back the targets up, everybody walk back, nobody even touches a gun until every single person is behind that safe line. And then all the commotion starts over again, but everybody's pointing in that direction. And we didn't even have earplugs, so we had to take little pieces of, of, of uh, expelled shells and stick them in our ears to try and just, because it was so loud. But when we finally left, I apologized to her. I said, I'm sorry. I did not realize that this was going to be the day. I feel like, you know, maybe maybe that was a little bit overwhelming. And you know what she said to me? She said, no. She said, that was amazing. She said, I've only seen guns on television. But to see these people who stereotypically looked like what I saw on television, shooting them in the air, shooting them at each other's feet, being to see the way that they all respected those guns, how they taught safety to their kids, how everyone feared the capacity that was there. Nobody hated the guns. No one was literally afraid of the guns themselves, but they all respected the power that they had. And I feel like that's a good picture of what it's like to fear the Lord. It is to acknowledge how much potency, power, and influence he really has. Someone who does not fear God is just haphazard. Oh! But when we fear the Lord, we recognize he sees me every day, all the time. I am conscious 
that he is watching, that what I'm doing matters, that he cares, that what I'm doing needs to be done in order to please him. It's that conscientiousness of the significance of God in our lives. Just like those hillbillies who, by the look of them, looked like they were going to fit into the stereotype of the TV disrespect. But she said, it changed my view forever of what guns are like because I realized the actual people who use them respect them, fear them. They don't, they don't treat them the way that movies have told me they would. And it was, I, I want that for us when it comes to God. I want people to say, wow, when I look at you, I realize you consider God in every circumstance. When, you, when you're in that situation, you know that you can see that you are considering God's view of every situation in your life, every choice that you make. You're considering, well, how does God see this? What does God say about this? What does God want in this? I fear him. I recognize his potency and power in this situation. It is my desire that we as Christians become wise. The Bible says, if any of us, I believe it's James 1.5, it says, if any of us lack wisdom, we can ask of God who gives freely. How many of you want wisdom? I do. I want to be growing, ever growing in wisdom. Not selfishly so that I can be the center of attention, but when someone asks me, I want to respond with Holy Spirit-inspired wisdom to be able to point them to the principles in God's Word that apply to their situation. And that's what I want for each and every one of us, that we would learn to seek wisdom to recognize it and not expect it to fall on us, but to go to those people and draw that wisdom out of them. Ask the questions that we can grow. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray, just like James 1.5 says, and I ask for wisdom for each and every person here. I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring people across our path from whom we can learn and grow. People we can associate with, build friendships with, that will build us up. Iron sharpening iron. Lord, we just pray your blessing on them. Lord, I pray for the people in this room who are facing difficult situations and decisions right now. I pray that you would illuminate the right choices for them. I pray that as they consider their options, they would feel your supernatural peace as they consider the appropriate choice. Lord, I just thank you that you will confirm those choices through other wise people in their lives, even through prophecy if necessary. Lord, we just thank you that you love us, that you guide us. In Jesus' name.